welcome. You are listening to the Power Hour here at CJLO, 1690 AM in Montreal. My name is William Power. I'm with Dominic Demeester. Dominic, we don't only have playoff games to preview this week. We got playoff games to recap. Week one wildcard weekend, as they say in the NFL, is done, is in the books. We got the Elite Eight left, as I like to call it. Four teams in the AFC, four teams in the NFC. We had six games this past weekend. Not all of them close, but we had some wacky, wacky games, to say the least. Uh, I love talking some football, Dominic. It was a tough week for you and I. Both our teams were eliminated, but let's try and distract ourselves and talk about other games. But yeah, what were your thoughts on the, on the games this weekend over Overall. Oh, it was a crazy wild card weekend, and it finished off with a massive upset, which is definitely what you want to see during wild card weekend. Uh, those Tampa Bay Buccaneers finishing wild card weekend with a big victory over the Eagles. That to me was the biggest shocker. Uh, I just can't wait to jump right into it and let's get it started. All right, let's get started. Let's go. I guess we could go game by game in the order of what ha happened this past weekend. We had the Baltimore Ravens uh, that were on a bye this weekend, obviously, and we had the San Francisco 49ers that were on a bye as well. Uh, so none of those teams played. Our, our first game of the weekend was the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. And man, oh man, Dominic, did this game start off on fire? You had both teams trading haymakers. Uh, it was close early on. And then... For me, when the tide kind of turned in this game, uh, you know, Houston was was up going into half, but the uh, the Cleveland Browns ended up getting the ball back uh, with a little bit of time left in the first half, and they kind of you know played it a little bit conservatively, um, and uh, and then Houston came into the the locker room up at halftime. They were up twenty eight uh, to to fourteen at that point, and then obviously it was the pick sixes, right? The pick sixes uh, were, were really the killers. But even at that point, you kind of felt that the game uh, was a little bit out of reach. But like the CJ story continues like he goes 16 of 21 in this game for 274 yards the amount of yards he's been throwing uh, and his yards per completion rate is incredible three touchdowns no picks does his job singletary 13 yards on the ground uh, 66 yards nico collins being his number one target 98 yards and a touchdown um and you know for joe flacco look statistically the game looked okay but it just it wasn't the Joe Flacco we were used to seeing, you know, throughout the through the course of the season. It was a great first half. Like I really thought after you know midway through the second quarter it was going to be a barn murder and and a shootout all the way through. Uh, but Houston's defense said, okay, you know what, Joe Flacco, it was nice, but this is our year. We're going to take over here. And you know, for me, it was just like the the inability to get Amari Cooper going in this game. Uh, you know, what kind of hurt them. And Joe had a good game, the seven catches, ninety three yards. But you really want to establish that number one wide receiver being Amari Cooper. And you know, unfortunately, you know only. Only 59 yards in this game. He wasn't really uh, able to get going, and the run game just didn't seem to produce either for the Browns team. So, you know, a game that you know I had trouble predicting. I ultimately went with Houston uh, because uh, you know I, I just trust TJ Stroud now more than a lot of other QBs, which is crazy to say. To get the job done, the fans were electric here, and I think Houston's believing right now, Dominic, and they really in that second half walked all over the Browns and then showed they were the better team. 100% William the Houston Texans big victory 45 to 14 and this was no fluke my friends this was no fluke D'Amico Ryans and Bobby Slowick wow these guys put a game plan together for the Texans I loved the play design in this game I thought that the Texans really schooled the Browns defense. The Browns defense was supposed to be this juggernaut defense, but unfortunately for Schwartz, he got just too aggressive in my opinion, enabling the Texans to really hit these massive plays left mm -hmm. and right. And unfortunately for the Cleveland Browns, the, the, you know, the, the clock struck midnight for the Cinderella season. It is over for the Browns. Joe Flacco, you know, you should still, you know, kind of look back at this probably being his last opportunity. I enjoyed seeing him play. I enjoyed seeing him even losing 45-14. You saw that a guy was, he was just like, you know what, I'm still going to air it out. Do what mm -hmm. I possibly can to come back in this game. He honestly, you know is going to probably retire fairly shortly after this one, I think. I don't think you're going to see uh, Joe Flacco for much longer in the NFL. Uh, it was a tremendous opportunity for him. Unfortunately, the Texans were just much more prepared. And as a result, they took this football game. And for Houston, I want to uh, sing the praise of John Mitchie III. Yeah. This guy you know, was out last year completely. We knew that the Texans 
had a problem with the receivers because a lot of them were hurt. And who was going to step to the plate? And I thought that John Mitchie III had some key moments in this game to keep some drives going. Keep an eye on this guy's future. His future is bright. And we all know Najoku, obviously, moving forward. I wish that this guy would, would, would have a quarterback like Flacco. I don't know if Watson's going to be the long-term answer in Cleveland. They're definitely paying him as the guy, but it seems like Najoku needs another quarterback. I would maybe look at a trade option. I know it sounds crazy to trade your best player, but this guy's got a lot of value right now. So look for potential mm -hmm. moves for the Cleveland Browns in the offseason. But the Texans took this football game, and uh, they are moving forward, and who knows how far they can go, William. Yeah, no, look, this is a team that's, you know, as we say, playing with house money. But, you know, maybe that expression is is not all that accurate because this team may be uh, better than, you know, a team kind of on, like, on fire right now and feeling themselves at this point. Just the poise here of, of CJ Stroud. And, like, there was a drop early on by Dalton Schultz. He kind of, you know, they, they were able to shake it off and still go out and march on and, and put up points uh, in, the, in the first and second quarter. But, you know, you, know, you look at for, for Cleveland now. Yes, Tom, it's, you know, it's a lot of question marks here. You know, I've, Deshaun Watson, you got to presume, is going to be back. Um, obviously, you know, the, they invested so much money in him, so where does that leave Joe Flacco? Does he, you know, does this season uh, kind of buy him another chance to be quarterback number one in the NFL? And yeah, as for Njoku, you really feel like that Flacco had that connection with him. It was like he was looking for him uh, the entire game. And, you know, why not when you have a guy that's, uh, you know, doing as well as, as him and, you know, it's able to catch the ball in traffic. So hopefully he has a quarterback that's able to utilize him because, yes, Watson was, you know, got him a few touches here, but Flacco was kind of able to get him going. And look, this team is going to come back. I think they're going to be okay. They're going to get uh, Nick Chubb back. Their defense is obviously good. It didn't look good in this game. But I think, you know, for the most part, you see a bright future here in uh, in Cleveland now. And uh, hopefully when Deshaun comes back next season, he's going to be touching to a little bit of that magic when he played for the Houston Texans. All right, let's go to the Saturday night game. We had the Dolphins against the Chiefs. 26-7 to was the final score in this one. Dominic, you obviously know you truly has a lot to say on this as my Dolphins didn't seem to show up in this game, but I'll throw it over to you. Curious to get your thoughts and uh, your initial reactions on how this game played out. What happened to the Miami Dolphins? <laughs> what happened? And, you know, I'm going to shut off a bit on left field here for two seconds, and I'm going to say this hard knock show, William, you know, I'm not a fan, and I'm specifically not a fan when they show up in season to record all the brouhaha. I think it's a mm -hmm. distraction. I'm not sure to what extent it played, but I'm guaranteeing you this team was not ready to play the Kansas City Chiefs. And I put largely the blame on Mike McDaniel's horrendous game plan that just did not materialize whatsoever. I mean, maybe there's injuries and maybe there's things that we just don't know, but why on earth was this team just pounding the ball way too much and not passing enough uh, for those two huge ride receivers in Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill will always remain a mystery. I mean, listen, the game plan all year was a beautiful air assault. Where was it in this game? Where was it? They waited to the fourth quarter. Oh, now we're going to have to. What were you doing, Mike McDaniel? It's all the loss for me falls on his shoulders. You could say, yeah, Miami was all banged up, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. You know what? The defense still played decent, even yeah. with like whatever they had left. I thought Vic Fangio did a pretty darn good job to force Mahomes to get all those field goals. There was an opportunity here, William, but Mike McDaniel's horrible game plan handcuffed the Miami Dolphins' ability to point to put points on the board. And that is largely why they lost this football game. Mahomes wasn't terrific. We all knew that Kelsey was going to have eventually a good game and they led with Kelsey and Kelsey, you know, dragged a lot of the defenders with them. A lot of the times for first down, Isaiah Pecco would play off that. And obviously he had a decent game, 24 carries and 89 yards and one TD. Got to give some credit to, to him, but other than that, this was not a great football game. This was the Kansas City Chiefs playing at home, earning an easy victory due to a horrible game plan by Mike McDaniel. 
I think you said it very well, Dom. Uh, a few things just to add, and then obviously I'll give my take after. Mike McDaniel, he had a very good uh, season for these guys, right? They were the greatest show on turf. They were lighting up teams left and right. I was blessed enough to be at the game where they put up 70 points, and it was like I was watching a movie uh, on repeat, and you know I didn't want to leave the stadium that day. Um, the longer the season went on and the tougher teams the Dolphins played, it seemed as if their play calling became very vanilla. Uh, he, you know, was stubborn in his ways. And, you know, what's, what's pretty crazy is that you, you talk about them running the ball, you know, maybe a little bit too much in this game. That's possible. But so many times throughout the course of the season, Dom, this team ran the past the ball when they should have ran. You know, it's second and one, you throw it. Then it becomes third and one, you throw it again. You have to be able to take your guys and say, look, we're going to trust our O-line and we're going to ram it up the middle. And too many times, McDaniel got too cute. Look, I don't want to make... I don't want to exaggerate here, but honestly, I'd say in the, the last few games of the season when we needed McDaniel to be at his best, he was at his worst. Uh, you know, the, the play calling wasn't that good uh, in terms of creativity as well. In times where they were the pitch the ball to H on the side, okay, it was working from time to time, but sometimes you've got to be able to run north-south, right? I understand this team is considered quote-unquote finesse. Um, but I don't think that as a compliment from the Dolphins. Finesse teams don't win football games in the playoffs. You've got to be able to, to ground and pound the ball and be dirty. Um, and unfortunately, in this game, the, the game plan just uh, it seemed to be thrown out the window. Uh, the, 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 uh, I don't even know. It's like the, the players seem like they couldn't play in the cold, right? And I'm not really buying that excuses. You know, how can you evaluate a team's performance in the cold? Well, last time I checked, Kansas City was playing in the cold too, right? It wasn't like Miami was playing in Kansas City. And Kansas City played the game in Miami, right? Both these teams were playing in these, you know, very, very difficult conditions. Um, and yes, Dom, for me, a lot of the blame goes on McDaniel. But it's crazy to say, and I don't really think I'm exaggerating here and just saying it based on this game, but I think I've seen enough of Tua, Dom. I know he's had an incredible year, and I know he's put up MVP-type numbers. And, you know, I have some Dolphins fans saying, you know what, that's ridiculous. You can't judge it based on this one game. It was cold, but it wasn't just this one game. Against Baltimore, they laid an egg, and that starts with Tua. Against the Buffalo Bills, when they had a chance to win the division, they laid an egg. What happened? The defense played great. Tua puts up 14 points and throws a pick late in this game. Tua, in this game, uh, there's a one play that I remember specifically in it was third, second and inches. He has a swing pass to Achan, who's wide open. He throws the ball in the dirt by his feet. Sets up third and inches. Then Miami gets a false start. They don't convert. Some people are going to blame the false start, but if Tua completes that easy, easy pass on second down, it becomes a first down, and that's it. Waddle had two catches in this game, too. His first catch coming late in the first half when they tried to get in field goal range and didn't. The only touchdown of the game was an underthrown ball by five yards that Tyreek Hill had to, you know, corral, catch, and able to dig two, uh, two guys. Literally, literally, honestly, if you look at the defensive side and the offensive side, the, the one, one play Miami made in this game was an underthrown ball by Tua. You know, and unfortunately, with the Dolphins, I've almost become immune to it at this point that, look, I did think they were going to make a bit of a run. Uh, if you would ask me three or four weeks ago, I thought they were going to win the division. When this game came up, it was the first time I picked against Miami this year, right? I just, I didn't see it happening. Um, and now they have the longest streak because the Lions won. The, in, last, team to, last time they won a, a playoff game, was uh, was in 99, right, the year, well, the year, the year 2000, the season of 99, and that's the longest streak in the NFL, right? And, you know, that's why it's not, not all that surprising. Some teams, unfortunately, come playoff time, just aren't ready, and I don't think you could have asked more from this defense. So they said, yes, they had guys injured. They weren't able to get much pressure on Mahomes, don't get me wrong, but I think the secondary played okay, right? Ramsey had a pretty good game, and you had Kelsey that had dropped, so I don't want people telling me they lost because of injuries. This game did not fall on the defense. It fell on McDaniel, like you said, and it fell on Tua. Tyreek had a pretty good game. You know, his drops weren't there. I think Waddle made catches when he had the opportunity. The, the run game just wasn't working when they ran the ball, and look, I'm curious to get your opinion, Dom. My, right now, Tua's going into his last year option. I think he's going to end up playing with Miami this year, and I think that cutting into next season after they're going to make a final decision. For me, I know it's nuts, and maybe it's, you know, I'm too uh, demanding here. And yes, Mar since Marino, Tua has been the best quarterback the Dolphins have had by far. But I don't think Tua is a guy that puts the team on his back. I think that if everything is going well, he's one of the best quarterbacks. But when you know what hits the fan, he's not able to make a play. He's not able to make a read. He's not able to escape a sack. He could play well if there's no pressure, if the conditions are, are, are right, if he's got Tyreek on his team and, and Waddle playing well. I don't see him as a guy that puts the team on his back. I'm curious to get your decision. I just for a lot there. I needed to get it out. We got a minute left before a break. What are your thoughts on two on what Miami needs to do? He's got his player uh, option coming up this uh, this offseason. 
Well, you don't change a thing, William. Unfortunately, I'll disagree with you by getting rid of maybe a Tua. It, it wouldn't be the right move. Who would you replace him with? It would be a long-term process. Right mm -hmm. now, you have a winning formula in Miami. What you need is you need to add a tight end to this freaking offense, and you need to add a little bit more depth at right receiver because as Waddell or Hill goes down, you have an issue. I think that this Tua character is very similar to the Russell Wilson story that we saw in Seattle. Sometimes QBs, you know, they're not great, but they fit mm -hmm. the system. Tua mm -hmm. fits the Miami Dolphins system. It's up to Miami. It's up to Mike McDaniel's to put it together for a full season from beginning to end. Yeah, you know that's it's. You said it perfectly there, and I read it with a lot of Dolphins fans. It fits the system. Um, to me, when I hear system quarterback, it's like you said, you know, uh, an above average quarterback, not necessarily a guy that could bring you to the promised land. Look, I think Tua is going to stay one more year, but I think he's going to have to either put up or shut up next season. That's for sure. Happy playoffs, everybody. We've got eight teams left in the NFL. Should be a very, very fun weekend coming up. Dominic, I, like I said, uh, before we went to break, uh, we were talking about Tua and I said, you know what, I, I feel like I'm done with him. Um, and, uh, you know, just uh, to, to put, help me put this to bed as a Dolphins fan, I need to get this out. Um, you know, you're right though. Uh, Tua fits the system miraculously, right? He fits the Dolphins system miraculously. If I was a quarterback in the NFL and, you know, and I, I have some people that disagree with me and some people that agree with me and, you know, Let's see where someone's talking about me. They say, oh, you know, uh, Will is, uh, do you think Will's a good quarterback? You say, well, he fits the system perfectly. For me, I I'm taking that as an insult. And, you know, maybe it's not, it's, it's the whole game manager. For me, a quarterback that quote-unquote fits the system and is a game manager, you know, it's very good for regular season. It's, it's potentially good for a win or two in the playoffs. But when the system is not working, Dom, that's when I feel like, you know, you got to rely on your quarterback. And that's my worry about Tua, right? He does fit the Dolphins system very well. But let's say the system isn't working and he has to make adjustments. You know, he has to uh, change things. He has to make audibles. And, you know, I'm not sure he's able to do that. So for me, when I hear that, um, and I know that obviously you didn't mean it as an insult because Tua is a great quarterback and you still do believe in him. Um, but do you do you have the same thoughts as me, you know, fitting the system, a game manager, or are you more accepting of that term and you feel like it, it may be more of a... Uh, a compliment than anything. I think it really depends on where your team is at. I think that mm -hmm. Miami right now, as we speak, they are in Super Bowl mode. Right. Do I want a game manager when my team is like dead last or close to being at the bottom? Absolutely not. And then whereabouts is Tua in terms of his rookie contract? And clearly, I think he's like you said, he's entering his last season. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, on that huge contract that he got. And um, that being said, teams try to maximize a quarterback's value because he's usually the highest paid player on the team early in his career. So what we have here is a Tua, depending on how much money he's going to be asking for in the future, that will dictate as whether or not his value fits as a game manager within the long-term vision for the Miami Dolphins. How much mm -hmm. can you get Tua for moving forward and that's how I, I will judge whether or not i want to have a game manager that it fits the system perfectly and i don't care if uh it's looked upon as being a bad thing because mm -hmm. i agree with you a, a kirk cousins kind of like in the same yeah you know area but kirk cousins managed his uh or you one, one might say he got lucky with regards to always getting the um you know uh the the, the biggest contract Big available contract, yeah him because of the what do you call that? And then the salary cap, you call that the um, franchise tag. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's he's been extremely lucky. Is Tua going to get franchise tag next year? Maybe. Maybe they, they say, let's give it one last crack uh, with Tua with uh, the franchise tag. So I know he's got his, he's got his last year, uh, his contract is last year or next year. But what I'm trying to say is moving forward, that's basically how I would judge Tua is the same kind of wavelength as Kirk Cousins because you yeah. have a guy that fits the system. I mean, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, I don't think you're going to be able to keep them forever. How many right. more years are you going to have them together? And that will depend on the direction of the Miami Dolphins under Mike McDaniel. It really falls under whatever scheme you're going to be playing. That's how you judge whether or not you you, you decide to keep a, a quarterback long-term and if he fits the system. Right now, everything's working for the Miami Dolphins. They got depleted with injuries 
and they got depleted at the area where they were already weak to begin with, which was their defense. So you knock up, you knock a few players which were banged up, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle down the stretch. It's good yeah. night for the Miami Dolphins. You can't blame it on Tua. He's just playing the system. And yes, he's not a great quarterback, but your system isn't running too well without uh, depth. Miami lacks a little depth, like I said at the top of the show. Out of tight end, out of wide receiver as well, and Miami will be going places. All right, Dom, perfect. You satisfied my needs. Let's put that to bed. And I think you uh, hit a lot, a lot of great, uh, great points on that one. Uh, a team with a lot of question marks heading into the offseason will now be the Dallas Cowboys. Holy cow. You know, you talk about teams that just aren't made for the playoffs, right? And as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, you know, I'm able to say this. The Dallas Cowboys and Toronto Maple Leafs, I find are very, very similar. I saw a funny meme that had Dak, uh, you know, obviously with a Cowboys jersey and instead of a, a star on his helmet, it was a, a Leafs jersey. And I was like, man, this that's so uh, that's so apropos. And, you know, it, uh, it really, really did hit home for me. Um, uh, I was in a state of shock watching this game, Dominic. I actually had a, a fly football game, and my buddy Terry was on the show sometimes. Uh, was my quarterback, and he's a huge Cowboys fan. And uh, it's half time over game, and he goes, "It's twenty seven nothing." I'm like, "Wow, the Cowboys are killing!" He said, "No, Green Bay's up twenty seven nothing." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And like, I, I go back and you watch this game. I, I spoke to a Dallas Cowboys fan at work, and he had basically said the Cowboys, whatever they did to get to where they were, they didn't do. They didn't play man defense. They didn't play aggressive. To me, I, I just, there's a lot of things I, I can't comprehend, and I'll pass it over to you. Number one is what happened to the Cowboys defense? Right? We'll talk about Dak, we'll talk about the offense. This defense was cream of the crop from the start of the season. Michael Parsons, yes, he was double teamed, didn't really have a great game, but the secondary for Green Bay in this game, how many times did we see open receivers for the Packers? It was as if, it was as if they were playing cover zero and they were playing man and they forgot which man they were guarding. Like it was, it was, it seemed to be elementary type defense from, from the Dallas Cowboys here. Uh, I was shocked. You have Jordan Love having a miscommunication with Aaron Jones in the backfield and then still throwing off his back foot and finding a receiver wide open. Like this is stuff you just don't see in an NFL game, let alone when you're playing a defense like the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I was shook and I have to say that, yes, uh, agreeing with what, what somebody had, had you know, told me at work is they just didn't seem to be playing the same type of defense. They weren't aggressive. They were kind of lazadaisical. And Aaron Jones was getting whatever he wanted. Aaron Jones in this game, look, you give credit credit to the receivers, credit to Jordan Love, but he was a man on a mission, right? He's almost become a little bit, you know, I don't want to say irrelevant because he hasn't, but, you know, they talked about maybe him leaving Green Bay. And this guy plays with a chip on his shoulder. And you saw he was running through this Dallas defense like there was no tomorrow. He played with passion in this game. He wanted to win this game. And it was as if the Dallas Cowboys were going through the motion on offense and on defense look we're talking about Dak Prescott all we want and that pick six that he threw and I for, for me personally it's a very very similar situation to Tua above average quarterbacks guys that just can't get it done when it counts and I think that Dak proved himself again that he's just not a playoff quarterback and that he is not the long-term solution for the Cowboys here CD Lamb not having a great game having a few drops Dallas just imploded in this game down as much as I want to give credit to the Packers and Jordan Levin it's an incredible story for me it's you know, mostly about Dallas and their inability to play in the playoffs and, you know, them being undefeated at home. This was a game that people thought was going to be a wash and it was the easier game to predict. But the Cowboys, you know, they, they unfortunately just choke again, Dominic, and the Packers' miraculous season continues and they had to fight and claw their way into the playoffs. And uh, they're doing that and they're taking their, uh, their season on and playing San Fran next round. Congratulations to the Green Bay Packers. Big, massive upset here. 48-32. Don't think nobody saw that score coming. Jordan Love. I mean, we gave this guy the keys to the franchise midway through last season. And we thought that, hey, this guy is going to be something special. Because him and Matt LaFleur are on the same page. These guys have it going and dialed in in Green Bay with their scheme. The guy that got owned in this football game was defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Yeah. Another guy who seems to be too aggressive. And I kind of was a bit shocked that Mika Parsons wasn't being utilized the way that I would have deployed him, in, deployed him early in the game. I would have blissed a lot more with Parsons, got a lot more pressure on Jordan Love to get him off his game. And then after that, you know, see where the game takes you. But unfortunately for them, I mean, the Green Bay Packers were ready for everything in this game that receiver core up in green bay again proved to the nfl that this could be the best up-and-coming wide receiver core in the nfl i mean you got guys like malik heath wicks 
Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs having a breakout game here. We've seen him break out in the last couple of years, but I mean, in the playoffs, boom, Romeo Dobbs was there. All this to say, I am impressed with this receiving core. And I think that the Green Bay Packers right now are feeling it. They are red hot. Matt LaFour hasn't playing exactly how they should. And for the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, yeah, we can knock Dallas for all we want. and and But this is a broken record. What else could I possibly say that I haven't already said about the Dallas Cowboys? This team should have never give Dak Prescott his big contract. Never should have been the franchise QB. He's got a one-and-done combination with C.D. Lamb that I've seen over and over again. And looks like when it came down to it, yeah, he put a bit of stats, padded the stats late in the game with C.D. Lamb. But this is a, kind of like a... A one-trick pony offense, and yeah. the, the the running back situation was completely abysmal for Dallas this year because they give it all to Dak. All right, Dak. Now you took out Ezekiel Elliott. It's now it's all up to you, buddy. And what do you do? You have a first-round exit like that. A lot of the blame also goes to Mike McCarthy. I'm not gonna say this guy. I used to. I am still a Mike McCarthy fan, but now it's like, okay, dude, you gotta go. I think uh, Jerry Jones is about to fire every single buddy in that franchise, including yeah. Dan Quinn. Even if Dan Quinn had a decent season last year, I would take a mop to that franchise and start all over in their personnel. I really would. Uh, in terms of the front office, see you later. The quarterback situation, get out of town, Doc. I've seen enough. Draft a nice, beautiful first-round QB. It is time to rebuild in Dallas. That's what I'm going to say for Dallas Cowboys fans, which they do not want to hear. But this script ain't working. I've seen it enough. It's boring. It sucks. Let's yeah. turn the page. Jerry Jones, you're the owner. Time to do it. You're in charge. Let's turn the page on the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, it's, it's funny because it, th this year, I don't want to say necessarily felt different, but they were the two seed. Um, and, you know, this was a team that at times looked very good, right? Like, I, this is one of the, for, for me, one of the better Dallas Cowboys teams um, in, in the last little while. I know, obviously, you got Des Bryant, Tony Romo, uh, not necessarily of household names, but just, you know, the way they looked and the way they looked at home and the way this defense played. You know, this, the, the, there's not a Cowboys team that's necessarily known for their defense in the past, but they, this year they really were. Um, and, you know, to kind of see that crumbled on and you know i think you said it very well it, it has been a broken record and mccarthy you know he's as good as gone he needs to go and honestly i would agree i think dan quinn does as well uh, you know I, I feel like if, if i'm talking anymore about the dallas cowboys you know saying the exact thing same thing you are about prescott needing to go and uh yeah you know mccarthy He's still, still not a bad you know coach going 12 and 5 in the last each of the last three years with the cowboys but you know you you put up a performance like that against a team you should beat against your former team I think you're as good as gone. And I think he will be fired uh, very shortly. And, you know, for Green Bay, what a story, man. And Jordan Love, I, I don't think I was as a believer, much of a believer in him as, as you were. But you look and just look at these re receivers. Like you said, you got Dobbs, Musgrave, Wicks, Kraft, uh, Watson. Like, who were these guys? Really? I don't think anybody knew. I don't think anybody can name two wide receivers in the Green Bay Packers. No disrespect coming into this season just because, you know, they weren't known, right? You have these guys stepping up, these rookies, and it's been an incredible story. Shout out to the Packers receivers. That has to be one of the, honestly, one of the best storylines of the season, and especially in the playoffs. Look, dumb. I mean, it's going to be very difficult for them to go into San Francisco and, and get the job done, but. We've seen crazier things happen, and like I always say, if there's any year that something like that is going to happen, and you know we see a team that we think is going to make it to the Super Bowl lose, it could very well be this year. Uh, we talked about McCarthy playing against his former team. How about Matthew Stafford returning to Detroit with a few boos, actually? Uh, and what an incredible game this was back and forth. I think this is what we predicted to be the game of the week. Honestly, this was really one of the only close games um, of the weekend. 24-23, Detroit Lions coming away with a victory. Man, oh man, there's a lot to dissect in this game. One thing I will say is when the Lions ended up punting the ball in the fourth quarter and the Rams got the ball back, I really thought that was going to be all she wrote. I thought the Rams were going to go down and end up winning this football game. But credit to the Lions defense because the Lions defense bent but it didn't break. You look at Nakua's stats, nine catches, 181 yards, one touchdown. You think with stats like that, this team is going to put up a lot of points. They put up 23 points. You know, like average, not necessarily great, not necessarily um or either Matthew Stafford, 25 of 36, 367 uh, yards, two passing touchdowns in this game. Um, but for me, Dom, it was just for, well, I'll talk about the Lions, but the inability to get production out of Cooper Cup uh, down the stretch. And, you know, Nakua being 
the main guy, right? Nakua as a rookie was really the main guy in key situations. Um, and credit the Lions defense, man, because they were ready. You know, there was late in the game where on third down, Stafford kind of threw a back shoulder fade to cup in the back of the end zone. It was played beautifully by the Lions. And they were hold, held them to a field goal that kept it, uh, you know, kept them up by one after the field goal was made. And, you know, uh, for the Lions, I love the way they finished this football game. Everybody and their mother, or at least I did, thought they were going to run the football game, run the football, you know, chew out the clock and give the ball potentially back to the Rams with not much time left. They threw the ball to their best playmaker, Amino St. Brown, to get a first down, and that was all she wrote. A nice little hook route on the first down, simple as pitch and catch, and for me, it just shows that like this team believes, right? They're not playing scared football. They're not playing not to lose. They're playing to go out there and win football games. And man, oh man, it wasn't pretty, uh, you know, in the second half for the Detroit Lions because they came out guns blazing and, you know, then their offense slowed down. And that's when I started to get worried for this team that, oh shoot, that maybe all she wrote for this Lions team. But they stuck together. The defense did what it needed to do. And they got cut clutch plays from key players on both sides of the ball uh, late, in, late in the game. And I think that, you know, for Detroit, you know, you saw the fans getting emotional. I think you saw even one fan crying uh, to, to see them when uh, I think it was the last playoff victory was 1981. Man, oh man, you got to be happy for the Lions. I don't think there's a better story in football right now. Great game, back and forth. And the Lions pull it out of the hat. They were just the more clutch team in this game. You know, there's a lot more you can talk about this game. But when push came to shove, they made plays when they needed to. And unfortunately, the Rams did it. Congrats for the Lions. Super, super happy as a football fan to see this team advance. The Detroit Lions, 24-23. Tight football game, but Detroit comes out on top. Jared Goff didn't have an amazing game, but did enough. We talked about game managers. You can chalk this guy up alongside the rest of the game managers in the NFL. I have to lift up, lift, I have to lift my hat off to good old Aiden Hutchinson. Wow. Great game. Two socks. I think that this guy was the, the, the pressure that Detroit needed to add, have on defense. This guy ended up being a key player in this football game with uh, CJ Gardner Johnson and Brian Branch playing strong. These defensive players need to elevate the Detroit offense. We know the Detroit offense is going to be there, but we need additional help at the defensive position. And those three guys that I mentioned could carry Detroit very far if they keep on playing like that. It was obviously the Puka Nakua show for the Rams, but we've seen Puka Nakua perform very well. This team is very young. Other than Puka, no one else was there. Yeah, maybe Tutu Atwell caught a, uh, one pass. We've seen that before. Kyrene Williams kind of had a decent game, got a little bit banged up here and there. Matt mm -hmm. Stafford putting on a good show, 367 yards. We'll give him that. You know, he's in Detroit. But at the end of the day, Detroit, in my opinion, is the far more better team than the Rams. They deserve to win this football game. They take it 24 to 23. And for the Rams moving forward, I think it's a young football team. They just need to add a few more pieces on defense. And maybe Matthew Stafford might have one last run with them because Puka Nakua, what a beautiful player this guy turned out to be. And if Cooper Cup happens to get back to health next year, I think the Rams will be, will be seeing them again down the road in the future. Yeah, look, if anything, they built a really good foundation there in uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, Williams was a very uh, unexpected uh, surprise there. I think that, you know, we had talked about him being good, but I don't think we expected him to explode on the scene like he did. And yeah, you know what? I, I really do think that, you know, the, the Rams for, for next season uh, will be, you know, one of potentially the, the dark horses. Uh, I really like the way they, they finished. And, you know, it was tough, man. It was just a play here and a play there that made the difference. You know, every inch counts in a football game like this. And for Detroit, excuse me, it was their last playoff win since 1991, not 81. So uh, quite a long time uh, since the Lions last won uh, a playoff game, and which now leaves the longest drought in football to my Miami Dolphins, which uh, I'll try and uh, try and forget about there. But, yeah, you know, it, it's cool. Look at the stats in this game. And, it's not all that pretty, and I think that that's why I kind of like it. And this, it's this grit about this Detroit Lions team, right? They're not always going to win putting up 40, 45 points. Sometimes they're going to win ugly, right? And this game in the second half got a little bit ugly, but it showed they were able to kind of still will their way to victory. And I think that, that shows a lot of uh, credit to, to Dan Campbell there. And, you know, the Rams are more of that, like, finesse team, uh, in my opinion. So I think that, you know, it was a very good head coaching victory by this Lions team. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see them play those Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, in, uh, you know, in the... Um in the next round, because, you know, you talk about two teams that uh, are having good seasons and two teams really feeling feeling hot near the end uh, of the season. So I'm definitely looking forward to that one. Keep an eye there. Uh, we got, obviously, the 
Pittsburgh Steelers, Dom, Buffalo Bills, uh, Pittsburgh in this game, you know, putting up their, their best shot. They were down 14 nothing early in this one. Uh, they did make it a game, but ultimately it was it was Buffalo, uh, you know, flexing their muscles and, you know, showing they were one of the uh, better teams in the NFL, even if they struggled at times in the year. Josh Allen with his big runs there. And, um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of Stephon Diggs with a short gain, seven catches, 52 yards. Nickel and diming their way up the field. Uh, but you look about rushes in this one. Allen, 74 yards, that long touchdown run. And, you know, Pittsburgh, they did make that little comeback there. But I just think, for the most part, Rudolph looked a little bit out of his element. It was tough. It was playing against a good defense at Buffalo. Uh, I think that, you know, the better team ended up winning this football game. You get, you talked to me a little bit about uh, what your thoughts are for the Steelers heading into the offseason as a Steelers fan. But uh, this game was all about the Bills, and, and they take this one 31-17. to Yeah, the Buffalo Bills, you know... Playing in Buffalo, hard place to play. Mason Rudolph, kind of like a fourth string quarterback coming in almost. And uh, having a great, you know, game in my opinion. He went 22 for 39, 229, two TDs. And obviously that pick in the uh, in the end zone was a tough one to swallow. But, you know, that's football for you. I think, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers shouldn't have been in the playoffs. It's been a couple of years now that the Steelers just scratch either their way in the playoffs or their one game out of the playoffs. I think, William, we might see some changes in Pittsburgh at the mm. coaching position. Yeah. Yes, I do think that Mike Tomlin, we're going to see him go back home, talk to his family, and he might just bow out as the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. The time is now granted. I think that it's the reason why I say that you have Bill Belichick, you have Pete Carroll, you know, Tomlin won a Super Bowl. He went to a second Super Bowl. Pete Carroll won a Super Bowl. He went to a second Super Bowl. Very similar things. It's just the time is now. I, I like Mike Tomlin. Don't get me wrong. But I think sometimes a change is good. The Steelers have had very few coaches. And whoever they're going to get is going to be someone that's going to be there for probably 15 to 10 years for sure. That's just the way how the Steelers do it. So... I think changes are coming the Steelers' direction, and uh, it starts with the head coach. Maybe even a new franchise quarterback next year. Who knows mm. how that's going to play out. And as for the Buffalo Bills, you know, I think that this game, nothing shocked me. And Pittsburgh usually loses to good tight ends. Dalton Kincaid having a pretty decent game. Dawson Knox having a, a touchdown. These were the guys that the Steelers needed to contain, and uh, they just didn't. And that's why Josh Allen was able to win this game. Josh Allen didn't do anything extremely well, but he did just enough to win this football game, in my opinion. That big run was the longest second run uh, for a quarterback in playoff history behind Kaepernick. I mean, it's not my cup of tea of football, but hey, it's effective in the current NFL. So if you got the, the personnel to do it, might as well. They're going to be playing Kansas City. Good game coming up for them. It'll be interesting to see how they fare up. A lot of... uh defensive injuries in this football game for Buffalo. Let's see how that uh, impacts next game in Kansas City. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. That's, uh, you know, my early game of the week. It'll be the, the Sunday night game. Not all that late. Game going to be starting at 6.30. But, yeah, Buffalo doing what they needed to do and advancing. And that game's going to be at Buffalo, so it should be a very good one. All right, John, we got one more game to continue uh, to recap here. We got the Philadelphia Eagles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Man, oh man, was the Eagles collapse real. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers win this game 32-9. to Wow, is there a lot to say about this game? First, let's give praise to Tampa Bay. Um, and specifically Baker Mayfield, because in this game, Baker Mayfield looked good and he looked on. And something Troy Aikman said before the game, and I think he hit it absolutely perfectly. When Baker is at his best, he's kind of that, you know, has a little swag, a little bit of arrogance. And, you know, you can see before the game just him like yelling just while running out of the locker room. And he was pumped and he was ready for this game and ready for his opportunity, right? He's been doubted his whole career. And look, rightfully so, he hasn't been uh, the, you know, the guy that uh, even hoped when they, when they drafted him. But look, now he's kind of got the second chance in Tampa Bay. And there was a lot of drop balls in this game by Tampa Bay. You know, there was a touchdown potentially to Evans, who he dropped actually two balls. Uh, Create Auden was dropping a few balls. Uh, the... White dropped one, uh, you know, heading uh, out uh, from the backfield. And, um, you know, he he kept calm. He kept calm. He kept cool. And it looked like Baker was having fun out there. Dom, he was having fun with his team. Uh, it, was an, it was an exciting, uh, you know, game for him, an exciting time for him. What a time to be alive. That was the vibe I got from this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a bigger collapse uh, in recent years in the Philadelphia Eagles. And 
there's a lot I can say on this, and I think I would just be repeating myself of what I've said continuously over the last few weeks. There was zero, zero leadership from this Philadelphia team. To say that this team was going through the motions would be the understatement of the year. It was the same thing we've seen the last few weeks. They would go three and out. You'd see that same look on, on Hertz's face. He would come back, walk. They would get the ball back, and they would do it again. This team played with absolutely no heart. They Heartless. Heartless is the way I would describe this Philadelphia team. They didn't want to tackle. They didn't want to cover guys. They didn't want to uh, block for Jalen Hurts. It was, you know, they really were going through the motions. And you could tell this game was over before it started just by looking at Baker and by looking at Philadelphia's sideline. These sidelines were completely, completely different. The Eagles didn't have a game plan. The Bucs brought the blitz. You know, Todd Bowles is a great defensive mind. The Bucks brought the blitz, and the you know way to counter that was okay. Let's get it off quickly and then throw it to one of our receivers. Yeah, that would be great if your receivers can create space. There was absolutely no no adjustments made by this Eagles offense whatsoever. Apps in this game, you could tell they were missing their offensive coordinator of last year. They were just hoping the receivers would one on one battles, and they they couldn't. They were blanketed, absolutely blanketed by these Tampa Bay Buccaneers defenders. Loss of AJ Brown, look, not having in this game hurt them. But if he played, there was no way. There was if if they had prime Joe Montana. Prime Jerry Rice, there was no way this Philadelphia Eagles team was winning this game. They were out of it as soon as the ball was kicked off. And you could just tell, right? You could just tell there was no adjustments on either side of the ball. And it was frustrating to watch as a football fan. Like, Tampa Bay was saying, look, Philadelphia, we're going to bring the blitz. What are you going to do about it? And Philadelphia would say, okay, you know, well, yeah, you're going to bring the blitz and we'll see what we can do. They, they weren't doing anything about it. And it was like a played Madden, right? If a play is working in Madden on defense, you abuse it and you abuse it till it doesn't work. And that's exactly what the Bucks did. And... It's sad because I saw no leadership from Hurts by the end of the season. Devontae Smith showed a little bit of heart, which was good to see. You know, after his long bomb, he was saying, come on, guys, let's go. Let's just make some plays. But that was it. Besides Smith, Dom, it was as if this team was playing walk-through football, training camp. Let's let our, let the, let our receivers, you know, get a catch. We're not going to hit them because, uh, you know, it's practice. It was as if these guys were playing practice. And uh, I'm not sure what else to say besides it was a, a lack of – preparation, a lack of will to win, uh, a lack of spark. And for the city of brotherly love, man, and for, you know, teams that pride themselves on, you know, uh, being fighters, there was zero, zero fight by this Eagles team in this football game. And it was sad to see. As a football fan, it was quite sad to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Eagles, what a fall from grace. We were hoping that Nick Sirianni was going to get the, the team back where they needed to be for the playoffs. But, oh, boy, was that ever wrong. I think at one point uh, late in the season that the switch to Matt Patricia as a defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia played okay or coached okay back in uh, New England. But when he went to Detroit, he was terrible. And ever since then, he's been terrible. Not sure why this guy was a defensive coordinator for the Eagles down the stretch, whether or not they uh, had a, a locker room dispute with the way that the calls were being called in, uh, on defense. But Matt Patricia is not um, was not the guy that I thought was going to lead this team. As for the offense, we talked about Jalen Hurts. This guy was supposed to be the guy, and we said that whether or not there was locker room disputes with AJ Brown when he got there, uh, if he caused issues with uh, with Jalen. Jalen has not been the same guy that went to the Super Bowl. That's for sure. Uh, whether or not he's still a great quarterback remains to be seen. I never liked him as a quarterback personally. I thought that the guy uh, he relies too much on his legs. And when he's got that much skill in the offense uh, in terms of like ride receivers and you're still relying on your, your legs, you're not maybe that good of a quarterback potentially. I'm not going to say my final answer on him yet. I think I've been flip-flopping back and forth because we do see some good play from Jalen Hurts from time to time. But is it because this team is loaded? And this team is loaded. And where was the running game? The running game. You brought in oh. DeAndre Swift. Why did you bring DeAndre Swift? I know you, you're playing against the, the, the Buccaneers who've got a great defense. Don't get me wrong. Super Bowl defense. However, run the damn ball. Mm -hmm. If Jalen Hurts was going to be your running back, why did you bring DeAndre Swift? I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, yeah. He didn't have a great game. Uh, you had Rashad Penny back in the day. Uh, he, he got maybe banged up late in the season. I, I'm seeing here in terms of the injuries, but uh, he was a guy that I would have banked on a lot more. Bigger back uh, could have produced. Or Kenneth Gainwell got a couple action here and there. We, last year, we saw Gainwell do very good in the playoffs. Not this year. Absolutely a no-show. 
I think the Eagles linebacker core is atrocious. Uh, they missed tackled left and right. They're going to have to address that big time in the offseason. And as for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the sky's the limit. They're playing with house money, Baker Mayfield, coming out of the, the woodwork to make this guy your franchise QB, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, we could sing his praise right now. He's gained a bit of a swagger, as you said. It's nice to mm -hmm. see, but I'm not sold on Baker Mayfield. I'm sorry. I know who the true Baker is right now, is a guy that's a mid-subpar quarterback. This team is feeling it with that Super Bowl D. Uh, Todd Bowles, an experienced head coach, a defensive coach, the guy had a great game plan for this Philadelphia Eagles. I, I'll, I'll tip my hat off to him. I think that this team right now is Todd Bowles uh, all over it and led by the defense. Offensively, I would expect more out of Mike Evans maybe next game. But still, I want to yeah. see. Mike Evans, listen, buddy, if you're going to stay in Tampa Bay, maybe that game uh, might have done it for you because now it's going to be hard to say goodbye to Mike Evans seeing that they're going, going to the divisional rounds. But uh, Mike Evans needs to step up next game. I want him to have 150 yards in a TD. Otherwise, it's going to be good night, Mike Evans. And if it's good night, Mike Evans next year, might as well be good night, Baker. I'm not big on Tampa. I'm going to say it off the mm -hmm. bat. I'm not big on Tampa. Well, it, he's going to need to have a, a big game for sure. And he's going to need to play better than he did against uh, Philadelphia. That's for sure. If Tampa Bay wants to pull off the ups and beat the Lions. For Philadelphia now, Nick Sirianni, head coaching job in jeopardy. I, I still think, you know, his... Uh, his Super Bowl run last year buys him time. I don't think I would fire him, but we do have Jason Kelsey retiring. My initial thoughts there on, I do think he's going to, uh, it'd be a huge loss, but I do think he's going to come back. I think he's going to miss the game a little bit too much. All right, we talked a heck of a lot about wildcard round. We got to jump into the divisional round, Dominic. We got four games to preview now. Uh, let's jump right into it. We got the Houston Texans, Dominic, playing at the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens getting the one seed and the bye. The Ravens are at home favored by eight and a half. Eight and a half. That's a Big spread. I mean, CJ Stroud's been playing lights out football. I just, I'm, we've been talking about him all year, how this guy's, uh, you know, potentially the next big quarterback in the NFL. He sure, he sure showed it last week, in my opinion. His, his, his ball placement is phenomenal. His receivers aren't even that great, but the ball is always where it needs to be. He's going to have his hands full with that defense in Baltimore. The spread's eight and a half. You know, sometimes, I'm going to say Baltimore might start off slow in this football game. I could see Houston get a quick touchdown, it being 7-0. But I think by the second quarter, you're going to see Baltimore getting their feet underneath them. And I think the Baltimore Ravens, with that running game, I think the running game will be what will lead Baltimore to a route of the Houston Texans. Yes, Baltimore will destroy the Texans. Midway after halftime, you're going to see the game getting away from Houston. It'll be 21-7, and then it'll be 28-7. And by the end of the game, the Baltimore Ravens will have won 35-7 on the legs of all sorts of running backs and quarterbacks in good old uh, the Russell Wilson. Good old Lamar Jackson will lead the way for the Baltimore Ravens. They will take it 35-7. Not only do I not think the Baltimore Ravens will blow out the Houston Texans, I think the Houston Texans are going to go into Baltimore and they are going to shock the world and they are going to beat the Baltimore Ravens. I love what I'm seeing out of Houston right now. I love when you got a team that believes. There's no one believes more in the Houston Texans team right now than CJ Stroud does in his, in his team. He's been playing with these Bandit receivers all year long. He's been playing without his star receiver, Tank Dell. And Nico Collins has stepped up. Look, Dominic, when a team has a bye... It's great, right? You got to win three games to be Super Bowl champs rather than four. That is great. But we often see a little bit of rust. And I can see the Baltimore Ravens coming out a tad bit rusty in this game after not having played last week. Houston had two playoff games, right? They had, the, they had to beat the Colts in the last game of the regular season, which is basically a playoff game. And then they had the playoff game last week. They looked great in both those games. TJ Stroud looked great in both those games. But let's give credit to this Houston's defense, right? Nico um, Ryan has these guys playing for each other and has these guys riled up. Honestly, there's uh, there's always one upset and one game that we don't think is going to happen. And I think it's going to be in this game, Dominic. I think Baltimore is going to come in overconfident. They have the one seed. This Baltimore Ravens team with Lamar Jackson has had great seeds over the course of you know his career. But unfortunately, he's come up short. And you know what, Dom? I would talk about this game for a lot more if I could. we got to move on to our next game. I got my upset of the week. Give me the Houston Texans to go into Baltimore, shock the world, and beat the Ravens 27-26. And the 
Houston Texans march on to the AFC Championship game. All right, next up, Saturday night football. We got the Green Bay Packers at the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers, also the one seed, favored by nine and a half. Wow, that's another massive spread to overcome. You know, San Francisco running the ball, they'll be able to do that. Green Bay running the ball, I still think they'll be able to do that as well. This is going to be all about coaching, baby. And I think that the San Francisco 49ers will win this football game late due to the fact that Christian McCaffrey breaks a long run for about 50 yards. Give me San Francisco to win 17-14. to 14. You know, I'm going to go San Fran win this game as well. I think they win and they cover 27-16. to 16, Final score in this one. Uh, you know, San Fran's on a mission right now. And I think that since losing to the Baltimore Ravens, they've kind of had a little bit of that wake-up call. Look, Green Bay right now, you know, they're they are definitely uh, definitely on fire and, uh, and you know, believing in themselves. I just think that ultimately Jordan Love's going to make either one or two mistakes. And right now I just see the San Francisco team as a well-oiled machine. It's possible. Look, Packers fans, it's possible. But I just think right now... The San Francisco 49ers are just in a different tier than this Packers team. And I think for that reason, the 49ers will win this football game. All right, next up, Sunday, 3 o'clock, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Detroit Lions. we got the Lions favored by six, Dom. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about Baker earlier in the show. He's going to be going against the Detroit Lions D, which has a couple vulnerable points in the secondary sometimes. But ever since C.J. Gardner-Johnson got back in this football team about two weeks ago. It's been a lot better. So as a result, I think he will struggle. And the Detroit Lions, again, led by their secondary, said last week, this will be the week. They will pick off a couple balls from Baker, and that will be the difference maker. Detroit takes it 24-17. to I'm with you on this one, Dami. This is a, kind of a, a tough game for me to predict, but I'm going to go Detroit here, 28-25. Look, it's uh, it's been an incredible run by the Lions, and you know why stop now? It's been an incredible run by Tampa Bay as well, but look, I just think the atmosphere in this game is going to be too much for the Savvy Buccaneers uh, team to handle, and I'm a little bit worried about Mike Evans and his lack of production last game, so I think that uh, Detroit will win this game and advance to the NFC Championship game, 28-25 Lions. All right, last but not least, we've got my game of the week, Kansas City Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills. Both teams 11-6, and six, and in the regular season, we got the Bills favored by 2.5, Dom. The Bills by 2.5. This is a yep, tough one, yep. right? We've, we've been waiting for this game for a long time for the yeah. playoffs. Uh, this is a classic football game. We know that the Buffalo can put a lot of points on the board. We know Casey can put a lot of points on the board. Who will come out on top? I think the difference maker here is Isaiah Pecco. I would have never thought that that guy would be your difference maker, but with the freaking Bernard injury, I just don't see that great of a linebacking core to sustain Buffalo's uh, linebackers. So as a result, I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs through Andy Reid and Isaiah Pecco, not Pat Mahomes, will lead KC to a victory, a low-scoring victory too at that, 16-10 to over the Buffalo Bills. Wow, I get I'm gonna go 28-27 Buffalo getting a touchdown with 45 seconds left. And you know you don't want to leave Mahomes anytime with the football uh late in the game. And I think Mahomes gets the ball, he gets his team into field goal range, and they kick a game-winning field goal. And it's the Chiefs that win this game. I'm gonna go 30 to 28 final score, a very similar loss to what they had in that epic playoff game. Uh, not that long ago. Look, I know this game is in Buffalo. Just something is telling me right now, Kansas City's been doubted from the start of this year. Kelsey's feeling it. Mahomes is feeling it. And so is Andy Reid. And I think the Kansas City Chiefs will pull off the quote-unquote upset, if you will, in this game. Like I said, by two points. I really do think this will be the game of the week. I think we're going to see some great games this week. Uh, I'm excited. We got... Uh, Four games to watch. we got two games on Saturday, two games on Sunday, folks. I hope you guys will watch all four games and enjoy them as much as Dominic and I will. And thank you once again for tuning into the show. That is it for this week. Without you guys, there is no show. Enjoy the Divisional Round. We'll be back next week, same place, same time, with AFC and NFC Championship games to predict. You are listening to CJLO, 69 a.m. in Montreal.